Welcome everybody to Dead Talk Live, and today we have a very special guest in Raul Esparza. Raul, thank you so much for being here. Your fans have shown up in droves. How are you doing today? I'm really well. Thanks for having me. It is my honor, and let's just get right to it. Uh, Raul is one of the stars in Candy. It's a Hulu original series premiering on May 9th. Uh, as I just told Raul, I just finished watching it. It is f a phenomenal story based on true events. Now, with that, let's get right to it. You have portrayed a lawyer on TV for a long time now. Don Crowder is the lawyer that you play in Candy. It's a very different role from ADA Barba uh, from uh, SVU. What was it about Don Crowder that really attracted you to the role? I loved his bravura. I also loved his kind of mercurial quality, the ways that he could be one thing one moment and then switch to something else entirely the next. I loved um, the sort of Texas world that the series inhabits. I liked his sense of humor. And I also love the fact that he turned out to be a truly great trial attorney without any experience whatsoever. Unlike, say, someone like Barba, who is a Harvard-educated yeah. uh, ass with a chip on his shoulder, who's been <laughs> really, really damn good at what he does. Don was testing himself in an arena for the first time. And uh, I was obviously going, well, you know, it's an attorney. Should I do this? And yet he felt different enough uh, that it only felt like, well, they happen to have a similar they have the same um, professional career, but they are in no way alike. Mm -mm. Little by little, Don began to creep in in strange and different ways that, that began to play me. Absolutely. Now, uh, the story of Candace Montgomery is being told on Hulu with Candy. There's another show later on this year. What is it about this story that is coming out now? What do you think is the allure uh, going back into the early 80s that this story is being told now on television? I mean, I can't say why everybody has kind of dropped into this, or not everybody, but why uh, two creators have dropped into telling this particular story. But uh, I know that in, in, in Robin's case and in, in Nick's case, what, what they tried to do here was kind of reveal the incredible horror story lurking underneath a suburban life mm -hmm. and play with the idea that in the most mundane sense really brilliant people like these women in particular um living essentially trapped lives like we all have been recently um uh, uh, these people broke and how they broke is fascinating and i think it's something we can all relate to and so another aspect too i think that's one of the things we can relate to but another thing too is this is a story that merits um, various um, angles. Mm -hmm. You don't really know exactly what's true or what's 100%. Half the time when you're working on, the se on this particular series, you're thinking, I 100% disagree with the way things turned out. Yeah. And the other time, no, 100%, I agree. It, it's, uh, it, it sparks debate. And it sparks debate about uh, the merits of justice. Self-defense. Um, self-defense the games that get played in the press and publicity and perception but then also like what what happens when people feel like the boundaries of their lives have got to be pushed mm -hmm. and how far it can go when that falls apart absolutely and I, 
we're all relating to that right now because we've been trapped in our homes for the last two years. You know? Absolutely. Uh, we've gotten a lot of interesting questions from our viewers, and I'm going to read a couple from you, uh, a couple of them here for you. Connie from Facebook has a question. Based on your research into how Don Crowder chose to defend Candy, did you come away uh, from the project with a personal opinion about Candy's guilt or innocence in the verdict itself? I did. <laughs> okay, that's fair. That's I don't fair. want to give anything away, but yes, I did. And uh, I'm on Don and Candy's side, I'll just say that. Okay, okay. Now, you have known for doing deep research into your roles. When it came uh, time for Candy, how much how how much did you delve into the actual events of what happened in the early 80s to build up the character and how you wanted to portray Don on the screen? I did quite a lot. I we had uh, court transcripts at our disposal. We had uh, um, crime scene photos. We had um, interviews with a lot of the principals. We had interviews with uh, the authors of the book Evidence of Love. I read Evidence of Love. I listened to podcasts about the series. I found footage of Don. I found audio of Don. I did. There wasn't a lot out there, but I did the best I could to try to find his cadences. Mm -hmm. um, we played around with how uh, uh, how I walked and talked and. Uh, the, the, the things I wore and some of the little idiosyncrasies that Don had um, were really fun to add into the story. So the more research you would do, the more you find out like, um, he was a guy who uh, worked out three hours a day. So that tells me something about how yeah. I need to look. He was a really driven football player. Um, that tells me something about how he approaches a defense case. He was really good at playing with the media. I watched him speak on camera and then got some sense of the cadences he used and the kind of ways that he was able to play the police and the media against each other in, in, in public mm -hmm. to try the case in the press a little bit. Um, he was flying by the seat of his pants a lot. He was not, he said himself, I'm not the guy who's going to take this to trial. And then he decided he would. Mm -hmm. So that told me something else about him. Um, I decided not to look exactly like him. I, I, we, we kept a mustache that was fun, which allowed me to um, feel very different from myself and different from Barbara, I guess, if I'm honest, and have a kind of mask on my face that made me go, oh, wait, who's that? It's not me in any way. And that it helps was, you get into character. It totally does. Because what you're looking for with a character is like a way that you're constantly surprising yourself. You want a character to play you. Exactly. Um, you don't you don't want to make decisions you want that person to show up and and surprise you so all the what the research does is it gives me colors to choose from you know like i'm making a painting and i happen to be working in blue or green or orange yeah whatever it is it, it it's not limiting it's 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 freeing you build a scaffolding and then you just jump let's go to the court systems this is in the early 80s and you know you've done research for law and order which is in sort of modern day uh for me watching court shows all my life movies and so on candy seemed to really portray a different court system uh in dallas texas um was that a true depiction on what the court systems were like in texas back in the early 80s according to the yes, research absolutely. that you have done According to the research that I know that 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 Robin did and what the reality of this trial was, some of the things we say are taken verbatim from from the case. Wow. And 
the animus of the judge towards Don and towards the case itself was also uh, absolutely true. And the ways that the police who were really inexperienced in dealing with this kind of case, because it was a small town about what, an hour outside of, of Dallas, yeah. 45, uh, their inexperience also played into the, the facts of uh, what was available for them in terms of forensics that I think affected the way the case was decided. Yeah. And all of that is very different from what we have at our disposal right now. Absolutely. The bias is really obvious. <laughs> I mean, that bias is right on the surface. And, and people made decisions because they we know the players. And uh, that isn't necessarily the, the, the way things will work right now. I think we'd have a few more impartial facts in front of us. You have a very powerful moment in the last episode. This is not a spoiler where you stand up and you confront the judge in front of everybody. Uh, I mean, talk about having guts to do that. Uh, is that something that was sort of embellished for the TV show? Did that actually happen according to the transcripts from the court? Tell us about that. That actually happened. I, you know, we, we ran with some dramatic license, but yes, it actually happened. That judge had a protege and the protege was the prosecuting attorney. Oh. And the judge had made all kinds of decisions about how this case should go. I don't know. I don't want to say that he did or didn't, you know, push it in a particular direction. They had a hard time finding a jury that they thought would be impartial because everybody knew about the case. And yet they asked and they asked for a change of venue, but the judge, mm -hmm. they wouldn't grant it. And uh, Don felt like they were just not going to get a fair trial. Yeah. And yet he did, in fact, stand up. As a matter of fact, I think we shortened it. I think that there were quite a few more contempt uh, issues that that came up uh, with him. And um, it all began even before the trial because he, Don was talking way too much in the press. Mm -hmm. Uh, his own team tried to muzzle him <laughs> and i think he understood something instinctively about like they're going to make up their minds before they even walk in the courtroom so yeah. i'm going to fight back uh, he has a very very basic sense of right and wrong and this is not justice the judge is playing sides and i love it when he calls him out oh and me it's too a really great thing to play i love that i love that scene i think that's one of my favorite scenes we got to talk about jessica and melanie uh Brilliant actors. Uh, we've known this for a while. Melanie, oh my God, what, you know, how, how, she can do anything. And Jessica is also the same. Uh, you you had screen time, a lot of screen time with Jessica, obviously. You didn't have uh, screen time with uh, Melanie. Watching the finished product and seeing these two amazing actors work, uh, what was your takeaway from the job that they did in uh, Candy? Well, I can't say because I never watch what I do. Oh, you're like me. I never watch one of my just, shows. Yeah, I just can't, I can't do it. It's I get too self-conscious. But um, at least the experience on set, I will say that uh, Jessica is just a ferocious actress. And she just dove right in and, and gave it her all. She hits you with the weight, the emotional power of what she was playing. And the um, her willingness to be completely un... Um, unglamorous about it mm -hmm. and to to truly transform herself into this woman was thrilling the first time she walked on set i didn't recognize her wow. and she you know, lock eyes with me and don and candy have a slightly antagonistic relationship even though they're friends she disagrees with him about the ways that uh, the case should be tried yeah and do because they begin to to all fight each other one of my favorite scenes to film with her was when they're trying to explain their case to their friends <laughs> you know and they're just like picking up each other's clues cues going like i know this sounds insane but to them it wasn't insane 
and Jessica never never missed a beat on that stuff. Exactly. With Melanie, sorry. No, no. I was just going to say exactly. Here you have these the sub suburban housewife and the lawyer explaining it to their suburban friends, and they're getting into science and and personality stuff that's way ahead of what people even knew about in their living rooms back in the early eighties. Yeah, exactly. And things I think that they're even trying on for size in their own mouths. Yeah. They're saying, they're, I think Don was always questioning whether he believed it, whether he believed it, but he believed in her 100%. So that was fun to play because he had her back. He just did. And I found that some of the moments with Jessica felt uh, surprisingly emotional, more so than I had expected when I first read it because the case is pretty outrageous and he can be pretty outrageous and it can flip into some wonderful comedy in a couple of places but that was um, balanced out by moments together that felt very solid where he's forcing her to deal with the reality of what happened and it's uh, it's painful and she was with me every step of the way and in terms of melanie there was a day on set in the courtroom actually where uh, she just stepped on and we locked eyes and uh you know, I think Melanie is just a breathtakingly great actress. Absolutely. Loved her, loved her since Heavenly Creatures. Um, she's exquisite to work with, uh, inspiring to be around. Absolutely. And, um, and also just a really fun, cool, funny, great person to spend time with. So I I left uh, really jazzed by uh, getting to, to be around these two magnificent women. That is amazing. We have another question uh, from uh, Robbie on Facebook. Robbie says, Candy and Glimpse, which is another coming upcoming project of yours, are being released within days of one another. Were they being filmed at the same time? And if so, was it difficult to switch to two different characters so quickly? No, they were not filmed at the same time. Glimpse was uh, Glimpse is a pandemic project okay. that was made in, I think, July of 2020. We were all filming out of our tiny spaces and and uh, Teresa Rebeck uh, created that piece as a kind of hey we're stuck at home let's make a movie idea but she got some really amazingly talented friends to be in it <laughs> and it was about being trapped and we we had to be our own crew and hair and makeup departments and it was when we thought well we'll never get out of our homes again yeah. which is part of it Teresa and I had worked on her play seared off Broadway just before the pandemic happened and it had been a huge huge success and we were still wondering whether that was going to have a life and then everything shut down so no they were uh, entirely different experiences okay. that, candy that, was was shot just we started that in december november december that totally makes sense now when playing a actual historical figure like don crowder as opposed to a fictional character in your method of acting and preparation are there two different approaches that you take when you are portraying somebody that, you know, exists, did exist, is real, as opposed to a completely fictional character? I think no would be the short answer to that in terms of uh, you're just trying to play a human being and, and be as honest as you can about how they behave, even if the situation that you're in is something like Candy, which is uh, sometimes uh, uh, horrific and sometimes very funny the reality for that person is the same as any human being you're not you're not trying to put a spin on it so what the historical details give me is as i said before a, a structure i can build colors i can play with information that i need but i can still use it or not 
I'm not trying to be true to that person because this is not a documentary. It's Don, but it's our version of Don, mm -hmm. and it, um, and it it still takes fictional license with the story because nobody can really know exactly what happened in that utility room or exactly what these conversations were however many facts we base it on and that's um i find that really freeing if i'm playing a completely made-up character sometimes it's a, a little bit harder because i don't have the the structure to support me and that's where then, you got to build your own backstory you do have to sort of make it up and then you're still pulling from yourself or things you read or places you've been you know every travel every t time i take a trip it, it might someday feed into what I'm doing on stage or on screen. Yeah. Every time I hear a piece of music or I smell a certain scent or fragrance or I eat a meal or I read a particular story, all of that feeds into what makes me a person. But anything could be something I would pull from at some point in my life. I, I think about a, a, I played uh, Arturo Ui uh, off-Broadway in CSC and The Irresistible Rise of Arturo Ui. Now that Breck play is about Adolf Hitler. Mm. I didn't go anywhere near Hitler. I did a lot of reading about Hitler, oh, but yeah. in the end, what came out was this strange, sick sort of hybrid of James Cagney meets a really creepy gangster from Chicago. Wow. Um, that surprised me. So here's a little bit of history and a little bit of something completely fictional. Absolutely. Uh, I, we're almost out of time. I just want to ask you one final question before we go. Now, when you walked away, when you did all your research, what do you think Don Crowder, Crowder's motivations were for the Candace Montgomery trial? Was it to further himself? He enjoyed the spotlight? Was it he really believed that Candace uh, was in self-defense? Was it a mixture of both? I think it was a mixture of both. I think he was really good at getting that spotlight. He was an ambitious man. He ran for governor after this. Okay. He tried another case, wasn't successful with it. Um, the woman that he defended, he thought he'd be able to get her off, and she ended up getting jail time okay. for his case. He eventually came to find that he, he felt like he was a failure in his life. He had an undiagnosed bipolar disorder. Wow. And as the went on, he began drinking, and then eventually, sadly, committed suicide. Wow. And Don never thought of himself as the great success that he had hoped to be, the, the football player, the the sort of dream team athlete but i think he accomplished a great deal as an attorney and in this case i think he he really really nailed it and uh, uh i think there was that there was that ambition in him but at the same time he believed in her 100 percent. my opinion ever... yeah my opinion of don is he he understood that a jury trial regardless of what the evidence is is completely different as opposed to a non-jury trial because you're playing on the emotions of the jury and he got that and he understood that and he played it to perfection do you agree with that i would agree that he was very good at understanding how to tell a story so that people would fall into the narrative and not necessarily the facts Absolutely. and i think he was really really great at understanding the way that that town thought yeah. And I also think that, he, again, I want to reiterate, I think he believed in her 100%. And it really didn't matter um, what uh, the result of this terrible crime and situation was. It's just that he believed in the motivations being honest. Yeah. She's not She's not a killer. No. She really isn't. She's not insane. She's not a psychopath. Something went seriously wrong, but it could go wrong for any of us. And he believed that too. This is a church going friend who he had known for so many years. 
And he stood by that. So what he needed to do is exactly what you're saying, figure out a way to swing the narrative so that people would see their friends. As opposed to a murderer. As opposed to a murderer. And also see something that goes well beyond reasonable doubt. He says it at one point, there are thousands of reasonable doubts. There are. There are. Yeah. Our standards now, there are. (laughs) Absolutely. Raul, I want to thank you so much for coming on here on this day. You're busy and sharing this with us. We have a huge audience today and they all love you. You did a brilliant job playing Don Crowder on Candy Guys. Again, the series is premiering on Hulu on May 9th. It's six episodes. Once you start, you're probably going to be just like me and binge watch all six episodes back to back. Thank you, Raul. Any final thoughts you want to share before we go? No, I'm grateful that people tuned in today, and I hope that you guys enjoy it as much as we enjoyed making it. I, I That's an honest statement. It was one of the most creative things I've been part of, and uh, I'm excited to see it. Well, not see it, but I'm excited to have people receive I am, it. I am right there with you. I do not rewatch any of my episodes, so I totally understand. I can't I even to... listen to myself say Yeah, that. yeah. Thank you, Raul. That's done. (laughs) (laughs) I want to thank Raul Esparza for being our guest. Thank you to our viewers for tuning in live and those who are going to watch us later on. On behalf of Raul and myself, stay safe. And guys, always stay walking. Bye, everybody.